right, guys. So welcome to Better Coaching. Today, we have a really cool guest. Uh, I, I hate to say this, but um, today's guest, Mr. John Flagg, we almost didn't do this podcast. John doesn't even know this. I think I told him via text message, but I, uh, I, I feel a little bit intimidated until I finally started talking to him and he's like such a nice guy. Um, but one of the things was he is so much stronger than me. He benches more than my best squat. Um, he almost benches as much as my best deadlift. And so emotionally, you know, I was, I was a wreck going into this. And then we talked a little bit before uh, our, our interview started and I realized John is a really nice guy. Uh, and, you know, even though he can squat 700 pounds and, you know, bench 455 pounds with, I think, like 100 pounds of band tension, um, he's not going to make me feel too bad about it. That's more of an internal thing that I got to deal with. But um, all joking aside, John is amazing. So he is the owner and operator of Rebuild Stronger Online, uh, which is an online coaching service for strength athletes. And he's also the lead instructor of the Clinical Athlete Powerlifting Coach course. And if you guys know Clinical Athlete, they're some of the leaders in physical therapy. And so he's working alongside all of these amazing people. We share the same uh, powerlifting coach, Mr. Kevin Can. Um, and so I think this is going to be a great episode. We're going to talk a lot about um, client-centered coaching and, and really what John has done to find a great niche and do a great job um, with his athletes. But without further ado, John, thank you so much for joining me, man. Um, even though you're stronger, I can't wait to, uh, to chat. <laughs> oh, man, now I feel bad. <laughs> and it's funny too because like you get this persona with the beard and the powerlifting and stuff and people are like oh he must be mean it's like no no i can i can have a good time it's okay i've got a decent sense of humor <laughs> so so talk to me just a little bit about so like um you've you've really built like uh an amazing resume not only for yourself as a strength athlete but you know in in the way that you're coaching people and uh, we're going to dive a lot into that client-centered coaching approach, but um, I would love to hear from you. Just like, what's what's the journey been like? Like, how long have you been a strength athlete, and and how did you kind of come to to the place where you are now, taking this very client-centered approach? Well, I mean, really, the strength sports stuff started probably back in high school, but not in a formal way. Um, you know, I, I've always been an athlete most of my life. I was I was wrestler and that was my primary sport and, and football and everything like that. And I honestly, I wasn't the most genetically gifted kid, you know, in middle school and stuff like that. I got picked on quite a bit. So it's one of those things. Like I just didn't, I didn't have like the greatest stuff. And I found that if I was going to be competitive in any way, shape or form that I had to find a different way to go about doing this stuff. So I started lifting. I got way more into it when high school hit. And then in college, it just became this, Way of life is probably the best way to put it, um, even though there's a lot of people that are always like, oh, if you identify with lifting, that's not healthy. Um, sorry, that's, that's, that's what I do. Um, and that's where it really started. Again, still not really in a formal way until grad school. And when I hit grad school, my brother and I would always kind of lift together. I was in the middle of like powerlifting and, and doing that that stuff and not really formally it was when T nation was still kind of like doing their thing and you know, I was I was still reading all that stuff and, and doing any program I could find and he came home and he was in college and started doing Olympic weightlifting now my brother is like six foot one 170 pounds soaking wet and he's heavier now 
<laughs> thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you're hey, that tall, you got to be a little bit heavier. And I'm five foot seven, two sixty five. So like we have different frames, but he's in our our garage, or it was actually our upstairs uh, room where we would lift. And he just drops into this overhead squat, and I was like, "Oh, I want to be able to do that. That looks really cool." So that's when I started weightlifting and actually like competing in that. And I switched back to powerlifting after my first daughter was born, um, and I've been competing in it ever since. Um, it's just it's been a passion for me for a long time. It's been coaching I've been doing for I'm 36 now since I was 19 um, in some way, shape, or form. And then with the healthcare stuff, I'm actually a certified athletic trainer. Um, so for me, it's, I've always, I've always worked with athletes. It's always been the realm that I've, I've kind of embedded myself in. And when I started looking at the people around me, I started realizing, and there's a really big attrition rate in these strength sports and everybody blames the sport, right? Oh, it's because of all the heavy weights. Well, maybe it's probably a little bit more of the fact that you're not really paying attention to things that athletes should pay attention to. Like nobody, everybody said they were a lifter, not an athlete. And mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of frustrated me. And now I look at it and it's like, no, you're an athlete and you have to treat your body like you're an athlete so that you can maintain training over an extended period of time. I saw too many people falling off to the wayside, not competing again or never competing because they were constantly injured and having to modify training. Then they get frustrated and they drop off and they blame the sport. And I just, I didn't want to see that happen anymore. Um, so now it's all about, you know, through clinical athlete and through, you know, rebuild stronger, it's all about making that positive change, trying to get people to understand that they can compete and lift for a really, really long time. And then brand new kind of addition to the whole thing with the honey badger project, which is a, a business coaching that I'm doing with Frank Benedetto. It's about, getting coaches and, and clinicians to understand that they can also make that change and impact uh, across their own sports, whether that's cycling, weightlifting, whatever. That's amazing. And, uh, and I think the, so I gotta, I gotta touch on three things. Number one, you talking about T nation, just like it, it just brought me back so far because my first, I was super into T nation for a while. My first was power, it? they were huge, dude. They're amazing. And do literally, I remember for my, um, it was my second powerlifting meet. Uh, I pulled 560, but I literally, that meet, I was like slamming. I think I had three spike energy drinks. I don't know if you ever had those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like 600 milligrams. No, probably more. Probably like almost 1,000 milligrams of caffeine, right? And I also was crushing, uh, I don't know if you ever had Mag 10. I'm on their website right now, so I can remember all the biotest stuff. It was like oh. at the mag 10, uh, like recovery formula, the anabolic pulse with some protein and some carbs. I was eating Finnabars, which by the way, are actually delicious. They really um, are actually. They're so good. They but I remember so that. It, it was, it was like my life was T nation. And then I started to be like, wait, I started to learn more. I was like, oh, like, so this sounds kind of bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did the V diet <laughs> multiple yep. times. Yep. <laughs> Metabolic drive was like always in my pantry. Also. Like, delicious. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Also, yeah, really good stuff. I mean, it's a it's a whey casein blend, so it's gonna be a little tastier than like your normal whey. But yeah, I mean, Mag Ten, all that stuff, dude. Surge, oh my yep. god, Surge was my yep. jam. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I, do I spent too much time on that website and too much money on their supplements. Uh, they Way were great. Too much. <laughs> uh, so one one thing I think is interesting too, though, is like 
uh, how, how what you've done, and I think this is a very entrepreneurial uh, thought process, is also seeing like there's this attrition rate and kind of questioning like, does it have to be that way? And the cool thing is like, and this is kind of where, where I've uh, found a lot of confidence in, in speaking on uh, nutrition and behavior change and psychology and uh, training and stuff like that. But like, there's also a lot of research on like, hey, like, you know, when we actually have, I think like Mike Amato is talking about on, on the podcast, how like they had, I want to say it was like 60 year old women with uh, osteoporosis, like when they gave them a basic powerlifting program, like they actually improved in a lot of different ways. And like, there's a lot of research that says like, dude, like, like the sport in itself isn't bad. Like you, you have to think about things differently. And you, you took that and you saw this problem. You said, I'm going to try to, uh, create and, and bring to the market a solution, which I think is amazing. Right. And like, that's, that's the right way to do it. And also the name, the honey badger is amazing. So, uh, I kudos. Love, I love it. So how, how is like your, your practice changed though? Right. So, uh, you know, you go, you, you become an athletic trainer and from there, like how, how have you started to, uh, adjust your thought process on this? Right. Because I would assume either you went to the best school ever and they taught you client centered approach or over time, you've kind of developed this thought process of like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look more at the, at the, at the client than just what my ego tells me, you know, is the best way to do stuff. How, how did you get to that? So it, this is definitely a journey. Um, it, it, we're talking 15 years of practice here to, to kind of go through. But I will say I started off in a pretty good spot because I identified being an athlete for most of my life as well that my thought process in grad school, when I went to Penn State, my thought process was the best injury prevention, which now we call injury risk reduction, by the way, is probably for my athletes to be bigger and faster and stronger than yours. It, it probably is going to make us win more games too. But in the long run, my, my people are probably going to hurt your people more. That was my, uh, just my general thought process, especially coming from a wrestling background. It's like if I'm bigger, faster, and stronger than you, then I'm probably going to win and I'm probably not going to get hurt by you. So it's that combative type of mentality. Yeah. So I always kind of came into it with a, you need to be prepared less so than like, okay, what do we do after? I hate being reactive to things. I'd much rather be proactive to it. So that's, that's kind of the, the entire thought process. Then going through clinical practice, doing my own thing. I was an after grad school, I went to a physical therapy um, office, like, you know, a lot of athletic trainers do. And we lost the program. Every athletic trainer we had got let go except for me. And I had to basically earn my spot, earn my keep. And that started with a program to make athletes better and to make our clientele better, which ended up being a strength program. Um, really, my whole thing evolved from there. And then Quinn started Clinical Athlete. And that was just like wildfire. He called me. We'd been friends on Facebook. I'd followed him from way back in the dark dungeon days when him and uh, Ryan Brown were doing Just the Tip Tuesday in Ryan's basement for dark side strength doing, you know, mobility drills and, and 90, 90 hip lifts and stuff like that. And he called me, he said, Hey, I'm putting this network together. It's, it's about this. What do you think? And I was like, hell yeah. And got on, you know, Mike Amato was there, Mike Ray, 
um, Jared Maynard, all, all these guys that I respect. And, and you know, it, it's led me to people like Claire Zai, who's a, a good friend and a huge yep. influence on me now. Um, and that's, that's fostered this thing where it's like, okay, we can't just, it, people aren't just input output. That's what school will teach you, right? If I do three by 10, I'm going to get this result. If I do, you know, three by three, I'm going to get this result. Well, that's not necessarily the case. People are a little bit more messy than that. There's a lot of other things going on. And then if you mix clinical practice through learning from clinical athlete, barbell medicine, and a couple of these other places, you realize that there is this psychosocial aspect to pretty much anything that can apply to training. It can apply to nutrition. It can apply to all those things. I was fortunate enough to get exposed to that way seven, eight years ago, and I've just developed it from there. Um, so I've been really fortunate when it comes to that development because it's meant a lot and not only just for my coaching and my athletes and my clinical care, but for myself, because it's allowed me to make better decisions on, you know, how I work, how I associate with my own coaches and, and the relationships that I build with them. Um, you know, you mentioned Kevin and I, uh, you and I have the same coach, Kevin can, that's been one of the best decisions I've made mm -hmm. along with, with Frank Benedetto being my business coach. And now, you know, us running honey, honey badger. When you associate yourself with people that your personalities blend, you can, you can make some, some great things happen. Yeah. And, and that was an interesting thing. I mean, uh, for me working with Kevin, like I had known Kevin, I, I talked to him on the podcast. I was like, dude, you introduced me to my first employee. Like I owned a gym in Boston and literally like he introduced me. He trained, he was the teacher at the school that I went to for personal training. Uh, and I, he wasn't my teacher, but he somehow we had like a mutual friend and he introduced us to like, his like standout, you know, uh, grad from that, that, uh, like, you know, that class and stuff like that. And, and like, I just kind of followed him and, and watched him go from like MMA to, uh, like powerlifting and then cr creating precision. And, uh, one of the things that like, I think you really hit the nail on the head with is like, there's this element of networking, um, that is, it's, it's beyond to me. Like, I think people think networking and they think of, Oh, well, like I network so I can get business connections and grow when like the reality is like, uh, if you look at even you, you and Quinn, you know, Quinn, Quinn has created an amazing thing in clinical athleting and works with juggernaut. And, uh, it's one of those things where like people, people will come to a Quinn or, uh, you know, a, a Kevin or something like that because like they want to have this, this outcome where they're like, Oh, you know, I want to be one of the cool kids and kind of like get in with that group of people. And it's like, well, number one, like sometimes you don't have to go to the, to the big dogs. Like sometimes you can find the people, um, who are starting you're like, I just like what they're doing resonates with me and I want to learn from them and like can and share what I'm learning with them and, and build that, that relationship. Um, but also like as a, as a professional, um, whether you're a personal trainer a nutritionist, a physical therapist, whatever it is, um, what I think is really important too is like, it's also something where you, you learn how to think differently and how to uh, apply what you're learning and how to, you know, literally become a better professional. So like, it, it's not always a business move, right? Like sometimes it's something where you, you build your network literally because like you want to uh, 
learn more and become a better coach. And I think that's, that's so important. Um, how, how have those guys like impacted? So you've, I mean, you've surrounded yourself with some of the best, uh, how have they impacted like your own experience as a coach? Like the way you think about business and training and stuff like that. Cause I mean, just, I remember like the dark side strength stuff. They were the first people to be like, you know, 90, 90 breathing with adduction and a hip lift. And I remember watching that and going, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then like just diving into Quinn and then I stopped foam rolling and then I stopped, you know, doing all this stuff. And it was, it was this amazing experience, but, uh, you're even closer to, to those guys and, and you've been with them for longer. Like how, how has that shifted like your entire thought process on, you know, you talk to Kevin and all of a sudden you're like programming is way different than I thought. Like, like what, what was like some of the biggest takeaways that you've had over the last couple of years? Well, the first one is I thought I was a lifelong learner until I met these three guys. Mm-hmm. Until I put myself around Quinn, Kevin, and, and uh, Frank, I thought I thought I was a learner. You know what I mean? Like, you, uh, yeah, I read a couple things, and I mm-hmm. do this, and I stay up to date. No, 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 no. They are machines when it comes to learning. And they'll consume a large amount and retain a ton. Uh, and they seem to do it at the right times. I th- there's a skill to that that I've learned over the years working with them. But, like, with Quinn especially – I had been a big fan of Juggernaut for a long time, and obviously I had a bias towards Quinn because of our backgrounds. But when I looked at my own programming and I had done, you know, Cowboy Method and Texas Method, and I'd done – man, I've done Small Law four times. I've done, I've done some of the dumbest shit you can imagine I've put my body through. And I'm still here, okay? So don't – everybody's like, oh, that sounds terrible. He must be all broke up. No, I'm in great shape. But – when I started to work with Quinn, especially one-on-one, it challenged me to learn a lot more and, and not just, uh, not just consuming a whole bunch of stuff, but strategically looking at like, okay, how can I challenge my own bias? How can I start to evaluate what I'm doing? Not just reading stuff to, to confirm my bias and sit here and be like, yeah, you know, this, this, this paper sounds like something that I would like. So I'm going to read that. No, like, foam rolling is a great example. Like I used to tell everybody to foam roll. I think everybody did. And it's like, wait a second, hold on. What, what, what is this? I used to be that guy as an athletic trainer that if something new came out, I tried it to see if it would work for my athletes. Now it's like, now I'm the guy that waits. Now I'm the guy that's like, well, not, not so fast. Let's do, let's do these things first. So Quinn added like a layer of, of tempered to me. He kind of slowed me down a little bit. And then Kevin and Frank have been the scrappy ones. They're the ones that it's like, okay, nothing's linear. And I mean, Quinn's right there with us too. Nothing's linear. We look at this dynamic systems theory model and you can apply that across multiple things other than just training. Like if you think business is linear, sorry, that's not going to happen either. Cause it's not, it's not a straight line. There's hard parts, there's plateaus, there's dips, there's valleys, there's regression ends up leading to progression. You know, there's, so they've influenced me on a, on a, on a great scale. And the biggest thing is, has been education. It's like, I'm constantly learning now. Um, and you know, we haven't mentioned them, but a, a large influence for me as well is Mike Teixeira from reactive training systems and the things that he does, man, if you want to talk about a library of free stuff for power lifters, I don't think there's a greater one than everything that's on RTS and what Mike puts out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he's, again, he's at that forefront of like, you, you think you're going to put this in and it's just going to pump out this result. It's probably not the case. Maybe in the middle, you should get to know your athlete a little bit better and take the time to get some feedback from them and then take all those things you, you've accumulated and then talk to your athlete about it and then put them together to make a better athlete. Now I'm and stuff. Uh, that was good though. Uh, I think the hand stuff adds to it. And so if people are just listening, then uh, he was doing like a, I, I don't really know. It wasn't quite jazz hands. It was more of like a, a, like a bird flying, but like from the out inside out, you know, I took one side and I mixed one side up and then t- took a, <laughs> the left hand and I mixed the left hand up and then I put them together and threw them in the air like Le- LeBron. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so I think like one of the, one of the interesting things too is like, uh, you, and you mentioned this earlier when, when you're talking about like working with people and, and finding like your, your niche or, or finding like uh, the, the network that you want to have um, you talked a little bit about personality and uh, and you just touched on it again, kind of like getting to know your, your clients or your patients or whoever that, that person is a little bit better. And, and I think like that's one thing where uh in a lot of ways, it's it's hard sometimes as a coach to uh, to pull back a little bit and to say, okay, uh, rather than me going out there and just saying like, I'm just gonna you know plug in these numbers because I want to just trust that you know the three by ten is gonna be hypertrophy and then three by three is gonna be uh, strength and I need this linear. Uh, progression. I've also done small of. I know exactly what that's like. I did the small of junior bench and squat together. Don't recommend it. Um, it was awful. But like, but you you kind of put in. You do this thing where you're like, oh, if I just put in numbers and I kind of put people through this program, X and Y will happen. Um, but but then you learn over time and from learning from these people, it's a lot messier than that. Which is it. it is hard because it doesn't make it something where you can just sit back and be like, Oh, well, like the program works. And if you don't get results, like that's your fault. Right. Um, it puts a little bit more responsibility on you as a coach to, to think about that person. Um, that's dynamic and very complex and unpredictable. Um, and so like my question for you is like, how do you go about doing that? Like, how do you get to know them a little bit better? And like, what's that, what's that thought process like, like what sorts of things are you looking at to be like, okay, maybe I adjust the, the programming or maybe I, I think about things a little bit differently um, as I'm, as I'm engaging with that person. So the, the first thing I think you need to start with is actually building a relationship. You know, you don't want to look at your client as a number on the list or as a, you know, this, it, it from a clinical perspective, you don't want to look at your schedule or look at your, your client roster and go, okay, that's my knee or that's my hip. Same thing with an athlete, you know, oh, that's the girl that struggles with squats. You know what I mean? No, let's attach a name to that person and a personality to that person and understand that they're going to have different needs, wants, experiences, and all those other things. Now, with that being said, I kind of mentioned this before we started talking. Personality matters. I have a group of people that are drawn to me because of the way that, that just the person I am. You know, same thing with Kevin. I've, I've mentioned it before. I don't believe in particular types of training systems, so to speak. I do that with air quotes, training systems. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe in somebody who's scrappy and, you know, kind of has that same kind of challenging personality. 
people ask me, they're like, you know, how Kevin, Kevin stuff seems to be working for you. And I'm like, no, what's working for me is that Kevin and I troll each other every single day. Mm -hmm. And every time I look at my sheet, I'm like, he's messing with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Yeah. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Let's go. Um, it's, I just, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to chip the yeah. weight that you put on my sheet and I'm going to beat you every single week. And you're going to come back after me because he's a fighter and I'm a fighter. And that's what we do. Like mm-hmm. same thing with Frank. Frank owns a company called Counter-Strike. Literally means that he, you know, we punch back. So like, that's why I gravitate towards those people. And then I have a, a different group of people that gravitate towards me. I have people who, you know, have a previous history of injury and are a little bit frustrated and need to understand the process a little bit better. I am that kind of guy that is going to go through the educational process of it and take it slow with you and and be understanding. And those are the kinds of people that gravitate towards me because they know they're not just going to get help. They're going to get a little bit of an education to it as well. That's where it starts. It starts with communicating with that person setting expectations with them of what to expect, right? Saying, Hey, look, we're going to work through this. It's going to be messy. Like if I have somebody that comes on with an injury, I I can't be like, okay, we're just, we're going to figure this out. It's going to be gone in two weeks because it's bullshit. Most of the time too, if people are coming to me, they know that I'm not going to say that. So that would be like really way off, but it's going to be, Hey, look, this is the expectation we're setting. We're going to have constant communication. We're going to talk about this stuff a lot. And then as things progress, you need to be diligent with trying to remember, you know, what they've gone through, through that last block. Hey, you've been struggling with this. Let's change it. Let's make, you know, let's, let's make something here. That's going to, to, to get training to, to, build some momentum again and have a conversation about it. Not just be like, okay, I changed this in your program. Here we go. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to have those conversations and they don't have to be long. This isn't something where I'm like, you got to call everybody once a week for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Touching base on a regular basis, reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, these are, this is going really well. This is something we need to work on is, is enough to, to build that relationship and get people to trust you and, and get people to enjoy training in the, in the entire process because it is, it is about them. Honestly. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. And I think like that's, and that's an interesting thing. Um, I like just posted on on Instagram about this kind of last, uh, last night where uh, I read in this book, lost connections. I was talking to uh, the person I interviewed uh, right before you, Bethany. And uh, she, she was saying she does the exact same thing with nutrition, right? Where she's like, I basically have people come in and I have them like they're eating barely any calories and I'll like reverse diet them up to like, like, Hey, you might gain a little bit of weight, but like, we're looking at this as like a year thing. Like I want you to, you know, if you want to lose weight or whatever it might be, like, um, I want you to, to never have to go through that again. And I, I want you to never have to lose weight again. It's like, we're going to do things right now that set you up for success. And, and I think like it brought me back to this, to this quote from, uh, this book by, uh, by Johan Hari, where he talks about, um, this like therapist where, Basically, what the guy does um, is he has like community-based treatments for anxiety and depression, and uh, how essentially, like he was like a lot of people, a lot of you know, uh, like practitioners are are very afraid of saying um, anything other than like anxiety or you know, depression is just like low serotonin, and like you know, if you just take this medication, then you're fine. When like really, there's a, a big picture. Like we have to you know treat people with um, compassion and, and 
rebuild all these connections. And uh, so he has like literally this thing that helps rebuild all these connections and like build purpose into your life. But the guy said, and, and it like stuck with me, I texted Mike Amato literally like the second that I heard it. And the guy said, um, it's like when I, when I tell people that depression is very complex and it's very unique to the person and we're going to work together to find a solution and um, all of these things, like he's like, it builds more trust because I'm being honest with them. And, and I think like the hard thing for coaches is, is developing in some ways the confidence to not make it seem like it's easy, right? To not make it seem like it's, it's oh, well, like I'm going to hook you up to uh, this little thing that's going to shock your knee and it's like this little TENS unit and uh, then your knee's going to feel better or you're going to foam roll and then it's going to feel better. And, uh, and that's always really hard, right? Is to develop that confidence to be like, I'm going to tell you the truth that it's not always easy. Like from a business perspective to tell people, hey, like you're going to do stuff and it's going to be really bad, right? Like you're not going to, there's no, Facebook ad or Instagram post that you're going to put out there that's going to get you a million followers and you're going to make a million dollars. It's going to be a lot of stuff that works and a lot of stuff that doesn't. And we're going to figure it out together. Right? Like, like that's, that's a, a hard thing. And, uh, and so like for, for you, were you, uh, always a little bit more honest or were you someone where you've kind of like, where you maybe did that for a little while where you're like, oh, I'm just going to give them like that quick fix or like tell them that it's going to be easy. And like, because I'm afraid that they might turn away if it sounds like it's too complex. Like, how, how has that been for you? Like, what's, what's that kind of journey been like? Uh, I've always embraced the suck. <laughs> awesome. Mainly because, uh, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen really, really, really nasty injuries from my time clinically uh, and, and know that this stuff is just, it's not linear. It's not going to be pretty. Most of the time, it's not going to be pretty at all. And as a strength athlete, I've I've trained for months with no progress, with backwards progress, just to have that one great PR. And I, I you know, one thing that I do, I tell my athletes, I try to get them to understand that process a little bit better. And one thing that I get frustrated with, especially when people start out or uh, they have unrealistic expectations of progress. I, so look, this is a big pet peeve of mine. Hitting a PR and not savoring it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got a, a problem on the other end of the spectrum too where things are going really well and people don't, they don't enjoy it. They're like, no, we got it. It's the next thing. We got to get more. got to get more again. And it's like, how about you just sit back and go, holy shit, that just happened. All right. Great. This is great. It's five pounds. That's progress. Hey, let's celebrate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of like just running over it and being okay. Next thing you better savor it. Cause two years from now, you're not going to have one every couple weeks or every couple months. It's going to be like a year apart and you're going to sit there and every time you hit one, you're going to take a shot of whiskey and have a big dinner. Like I did <laughs> after my squat the other day. It's like, you got, you just got to savor that stuff. Um, but I, I try to always err on the side of honesty. And I'm also one of these guys that doesn't – I think a, a, a problem a lot of coaches and clinicians have is as soon as something starts to go poorly, they hit the ejector seat and change everything mm-hmm. drastically, like big change. I'm a slow change. I'm going to change just a little bit. 
the little modification here, little change here, and then we need to talk about other factors. Look, this is a hard, a hard reality for a lot of people to understand. Your programming that you think you're so good at probably doesn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. It probably doesn't. The fact that your client is going through a divorce, that they've got three kids at home and it's the middle of coronavirus pandemic and they've got to do homeschooling. The fact that they may have been laid off from their job. The fact that they may be pulled into overtime. I've got police officers on my roster that have to deal with a whole bunch of bullshit, especially like shift work and stuff like that. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff. And that's just, that's just the, the, the psychological part of it. That doesn't even have to do with the sociological aspect of it. Imagine being a female who wants to lift heavy and everybody around her is treating her like she's crazy. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to lift like that? Why would you want to look like a man? Yeah. Uh, first off, stop doing that. <laughs> stop <laughs> doing that. Secondly, that, 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 that's going to affect people in a negative way and it's going to, it, it's going to impact their performance. So my big thing is with those kinds of situations, let's have a conversation about it. If training's starting to go backwards, I need to be and have a good enough relationship with my, my clients and my athletes so they can be up front and they can say, Hey, look, this is what's going on. Or mm -hmm. tell me beforehand, Hey coach, this session's probably going to suck because X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. and, and we can have an upfront conversation and then we can say, okay, that's the expectation. We're going to go in. We're going to get what we can get today. We're going to move on. Strength is still building in the background. You're getting the work done. Once all this stuff sloughs off, we're going to be good to go. And, and just roll that way. So I, I err on honesty. That's, that's awesome. And, and one thing that I think is interesting too is like uh, kind of like thinking about finding a niche and, and all of this stuff. Like I think it, it, it comes down to also like you're honest on two levels you're honest with them but also like you're honest because you're not trying to be somebody for everyone right like you you're you're gonna be that person where like the people that are attracted to even work with you in the first place are the ones where like they whatever you're saying resonates with them right like and i think that's that's hard too is a lot of people are like oh well like if i say certain things like then I'm going to, I'm going to push some people away, but there, there almost needs to be a level of polarity, right? Like that's how you like find a niche. That's how you attract the right, uh, like clients and patients and, and stuff like that. Right. And so, uh, for you, like how, how have you done that? Like, is this something where, uh, you find that, that it's taken a little while to figure out like what's your voice or, um, were you able to say, I'm just going to be honest from the get go and just see what happens. Like, uh, cause that's obviously a little bit of a risk to be like, I'm going to say stuff and whatever happens happens. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like what, what was the, what was the experience like for you? Um, once I started with clinical athlete and I started really, you know, getting back in, into, to lifting competitively, I knew I wanted to work with powerlifters. Um, that that's the audience I've always kind of wanted to talk to and dealing with injury happens to be the niche that that falls into a little bit deeper. You know, I, I think if you look at a lot of the research out there, it's tough to say, okay, well, I want to work with injured powerlifters. Okay. How do you define injury? There's a Swedish study that says that 80% of their sub elite lifters that responded to their questionnaire identified themselves as injured 80% through the course of the year, 80%. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. So, 
that's always been the audience that I, I've wanted to work with. So once I identified that, I just kept saying it, you know what I mean? Um, and it, it ends up, it spills into other things. It spills into weightlifting. It spills into strongman. I've, 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 I'm a USAW weightlifting coach. I've taken a- athletes to strongman nationals. Those things, they spill into each other. Strength sport, strength sport. Mm-hmm. Modifying strength sport is, is, is the same across many levels. You just have to understand the technique and, and some of the mindset issues and understand the sports themselves. But really, when it came to, to finding my niche, it's always been powerlifters, pri- primarily, and ones dealing with injury. Because I, I, they're just a special place for me. I don't want to see them get out of the sport. Mm-hmm. The more the more people we can keep in it, the stronger the sport's going to be, and the more fun it's going to be. You know, yeah, it, it's that's what it's all about. Absolutely, and and that's that's huge too. Where uh, where essentially like what what you've done is you've I'm sure said I I like can. Uh, like th- what they're going through resonates with me because you are a power up there, right? Like you understand who they are. And, and also though, like it, it also comes down to having that, like that mindset of saying, okay, well, I also understand the science of it, right? Like I, I understand the data. Like you, you just pulled out a study, like off the top of your head, you're like, oh yeah, like 80% of them said that they're injured. And, and like, that's a, a huge, not only group of people, but also uh, a huge thing where like you have this, this, it's not just a hunch. Like, you know, okay, like I know who these people are. I know that they need it. And, and now I can start to like address this and help them. And, and they, they're just like me. So there's, I'm sure some, some respect on both ends where they're saying like, all right, well, you know, you're not the, the, you know, 130 pounds, uh, physical therapist that, uh, just runs marathons and, you know, doesn't actually know, know what he's doing. Like, you know, you, you speak their language on, on many, many levels because you're preparing for competitions yourself, you know? Um, And the big thing with that, and this is something we talk about in the Honey Badger Project when it comes to developing your niche from a business perspective, is you you need to understand that the biggest fear most people have when they get into this whole thing, whether you're a coach, personal trainer, whatever form of business, is that if you narrow your niche down so much, there won't be enough people. I assure you there are enough people. Mm -hmm. There are more than enough people. Um, there are plenty of powerlifters out there that are looking for somebody to coach them because they either have an injury, had an injury, or are afraid to get injured. Because that, that those things they're going to spill into that. If you want to work with amputee cyclists, there's going to be plenty of amputee cyclists out there for you. And and the big thing of, of why you narrow that niche down is because. If you're truly, if that's somebody you want to work with, then you can speak to them. Like, I want to speak to my audience and my 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 powerlifters, and the the people who need what I feel like I do best. And that's it's really important. If if you go from it from a generalist perspective and just say I want to work with fit people, okay, that's cool, great. Nobody's going to read that and be like, that's me. I'm just a fit person. No, they're. Karen who has three kids who, you know, does CrossFit and doesn't like box jumps. <laughs> like yeah. you, you could go that far. I want to yeah. work with 40 year old women with three kids who hate box jumps, but still want to do CrossFit. And, and that's interesting too, because like the, the thing is like you also, at, at some point you also have to be able to say, okay, well, uh, 
I, I want to, like you, you were talking about this on an individual level, like with your actual clients, like naming them, giving them a personality and, and understanding them. Uh, I think like one of the things that, that has been interesting for me is like, as a coach, I've started to essentially do that. Like I, I did that when, when we owned a gym and stuff like that. Like it was interesting because I, I ended up literally saying like, okay, there's a certain group of people that I, I, I'm able to work with, uh, that I can serve them best. And I, I understand like they, I understand their personality. I understand, um, their lifestyle. I understand what they're afraid of. I understand all of these things. And, and it comes down to like being able to like, not just see like when you put content out there or when you're, you're building up your business and creating your business, not just say, okay, I want to, like you said, work with fit people or, uh, you know, just work with power lifters. Like there's a certain level that you have to get to where, when you're creating content and when you're speaking to them, uh, there's a name, there's a personality, there's a, a human on the other end because it really is a human that, that engages with you uh, on social media or whatever. And when you get to know them on that level and you create that content for them on that level, what happens is like, even on that initial like consult that you do with them, uh, when they first reach out, like they kind of feel like they know you and you kind of feel like you know them. Um, even though you've never actually spoken before. Right. Uh, and that's, that's huge. So, uh, for you, like what, what's your, what's your flow like? So like, do you have people that are coming in mostly through social media? Like, how do you, how do you get a lot of these, these clients? And, um, do you usually do like console calls? Like how does, how does your business actually work? So most of it starts off with Instagram. I, I would say that's probably the biggest, the biggest draw. Um, people find me through the clinical athlete podcast or, or through another form of media, they see all my stuff on Instagram and they either shoot me a message or shoot me an email. Um, I got a link tree in there and all that fun stuff to, to funnel things to, towards wherever it needs to go. Um, but most people just shoot me a message on Instagram and that's honestly where the process starts for me. And we just have a conversation and I try to find out if they're going to be a good fit, not just for like what I do, but for me, you know, and that's, I think that's one thing, man, if I can give you guys just, general business advice is try to find people who are the right fit for you that you will enjoy working with. You know, it, it it's so tough and I, I, I get it. I get the anxiety behind like, you know, I need clients. I need clients right now. I need people. I need bodies. I need, I need to make money. I need to do these things. Yes. 100%. But if you are selective and you get people that you're going to enjoy working with on a regular basis, it's going to make, your impact greater. It's going to increase your ability to have freedom and you're going to enjoy what it is that you're doing and they will be advocates for you because they're going to enjoy working with you too. So that's where it starts. It starts with that conversation, just kind of shooting the shit, you know, what, you know, what can I do for you? How'd you find me? You know, why, why are you lifting? How's, how's lifting been lately? Just have that little conversation from there. If, if there's, you know, something we need to talk about in great detail, whether it's an injury or a, 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 an issue that they have or, or something like that, then I'll hop on a call with them. Most of the time I glean enough information from that Instagram uh, conversation or the initial conversation we have um, to go ahead and get people started and get them going. Uh, I do handle things very similar to, to Kevin and a couple other coaches where I update weekly. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't give you a 12 week block. You're not going to sit here and look at a program that's, that's laid out already. My stuff's really malleable. 
I need to be able, if life hits, we need to be able to shift gears relatively quickly. Um, so that we can, we can figure stuff out. So I give one week at a time. That first week's kind of an evaluatory type flow to it. A lot of contact, a lot of, a lot of communication. And we just, we bring it along and we, we get the training flowing. We get the conversation flowing. And then from there, man, it's off to the races. And that's, that's where everything just starts to, to, to blend to what people need, you know, uh, there's a, a questionnaire and a, a waiver that comes with that, but the, the questionnaire is more just a needs assessment. You know, um, where do you feel like your biggest weaknesses are? Where do you feel like, what are your, what are your current lifts? Do you have any injuries? Do you suck at going to sleep at night? Do you, you know, like, okay, we need to probably do some habit tracking with this person then because they, they don't go to sleep. Don't disconnect. They don't look at recovery. So that's the typical flow, but it all starts with that initial conversation. And that's where I try to, to, to get some sort of relationship built up and rapport, rapport built up um, so that we can move, move the needle for people. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I think that's, that's also like uh, that represents the, the client centered approach, right? Where you're not saying, okay, plug and play, here's your 12 week program. But you're also not saying like, this is just, like your workouts, right? Like you're looking at what's your day-to-day like? Like if you're not sleeping, like it doesn't matter. You could update the program every 36 hours, but if they're like not sleeping, they're not eating, right? Like there's going to be a hugely negative effect uh, on their training from the outside, from the outside stressors. Right. And, uh, and that's where, that's where like, it's so important. I think like that, the onboarding is huge, right? Where uh, there's a, a look into, like that person's life rather than just that person's training. Right. Well, uh, yeah. And we're so, we're so focused on offering a solution so quickly. We don't have a full grasp of the person's problem. Mm-hmm. Like if they came to me, if, especially if they're coming to, to me and they're hitting my inbox, most of the time their problem is going to be relatively complex. Everybody wants to get stronger. I don't have a single power lifter that comes to me that doesn't want to get stronger. Right. Like that's just, it's part of the sport. What do you want to do? I want to get stronger. No shit. You want to get stronger. Why? Yeah. Right. So there's typically this, it's, it's a much more complex problem and having that conversation allows me to get to the actual problem so that I can offer an actual solution. It's if, if I just want to get stronger, there's Candido six week program, there's cowboy method. There's all this free stuff out there. That's fine. Those things will get you stronger you came to me because you have a more complex problem that I actually have a solution for. But unless you have the conversation with somebody first, you're not going to get to the root of that problem and really be able to speak to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like the the interesting thing is it it almost goes hand in hand with building a niche though, right? Like uh, those are the conversations that help you literally be able to create like, when you think about when you're creating content and when you're speaking to these people, um, the better that you can understand the clients you currently have that are, that you like working with, especially like the better you can create that content. Like I think like one of the best things to do is literally take, like you have these conversations and like, what are the questions that you're getting? What are the obstacles that they're having? And then be like, Oh, well, if I just kind of touch on this stuff, I I'm going to be speaking to more people just like that. Right. And, and so you can't have one without the other. Like you can't have a, a strong understanding of your niche without taking that client centered approach because uh, you won't understand your clients. You won't understand who those people are. 
that's that's huge. I think that's that's awesome. How how is how is that surprised you? I guess would be an interesting thing. Cool. Is like, you know, like what have you been like? Man, I thought that I knew, but I didn't. <laughs> so this, this is actually kind of funny. Um, you you mentioned not not only just knowing like what your potential clients are looking for, but also what your current clients are looking for. And it's really funny. Like over a two week span, I had like six people come to me and be like, Hey, I want to try wraps. I want to like, I don't know anything about them. I got all mostly, most of my lifters are raw lifters. I have two equipped, but most of them are raw. That's pretty much the ratio of equipped lifters to raw lifters is what my, my actual roster looks like. They're like equipped lifters are just, please come back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love equipped lifting. Anyway, I got like six messages. Like I want to try wraps, but I don't know anything about them. Like what can we do about it? So I came up with a, a four part Instagram series. I think the last one, I think, yeah, I'll release the last one today. Um, and the next thing you know, like I get eight messages like, dude, I wanted to try wraps too. This is great. Like, can you help me? And all I did is just answer a question that my clients had and put it out publicly. And like you can tap into what your current clients, they're your best resource. What, what gaps, what gaps do they have? What answers do they need? Create content based off that. And you'll just get more people like the people that you have. It's great because they're your knowns, build off your knowns, build off the people that, that, that are already paying for your services or already trust you for those things and already trust the relationship you've built, answer their questions. And all of a sudden more people like them are going to flow in and be like, Oh man, that was really cool that you did that video. I was thinking about that too, because it's quarantine time and I don't have bands or chains or, or anything like that, but maybe I could use knee wraps as a form of accommodating resistance. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, you could. Let's work on that. That's so, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And it, I just it, it, it surprised it surprised me a lot because I was like, oh, I'll just put this up here and blah blah blah. It's whatever. And no, people ate it right up. They thought it was great. And, and it's like you were talking about being a, a lifelong learner, like Kevin and Quinn. And, but like the, it's it it goes beyond just reading a bunch of studies and some books, right? It's like you're you're a learner in the sense of like, what are people even asking for? Like you're learning about your clients. Uh, and that's almost better than any study that you could read. Like you could read, there are marketing white papers and case studies and stuff like that, but, uh, that's going to be fairly general. Right. And, and when you start to like learn from the people you're already around that are not fitness professionals necessarily, but like their clients, they're, uh, they're asking these questions. Like it, it being that learner, like it's so powerful. Right. Um, and, and that was, I mean, that was such a brilliant move. Like I saw those knee wrap videos and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like he's starting to go, go equip. Like what's he, what's he talking about? And I thought that was, that was so smart. Um, I've been an equip lifter for years now. I love that portion of the sport. I love, I love everything powerlifting. I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a powerlifting geek. It's a mess. But yeah, I've lifted raw, equipped classic raw in the USPA. Like I, yeah, that's, everything. <laughs> I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, uh, and yeah, that, sorry. Go ahead. Good. So, I mean, that's, you, you mentioned before kind of, uh, like the influence of the people close to me and that sort of thing. And being a lifelong learner is phenomenal. It's, uh, it's something I, I advocate for everybody to do, but it's only great if there's action. Mm-hmm. 
And this is one of the big changes that I've had over the last few years. And I can, you know, I can say Frank is the, is the one that's turned me into a machine gun, but there you can, you can read studies and learn and learn and learn and have all these great mentors. And it's like loading a gun, right? You, you load that gun and load that gun and load that gun. But if you don't pull the trigger, if you don't act on that knowledge and all those things you've accumulated, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to accumulate all this knowledge and you're still going to be stagnant and frustrated and, and not see the impact that you want to make. You've got to pull the trigger. There's got to be action involved. And for me, it's been a trickle, you know, clinical athlete and, and the, the course and stuff. I was, I, I was, okay, I can do this, you know, and we all deal with imposter syndrome. I know it's something that's, that's difficult. I deal with it every day. We all go, I don't know. Am I really like, there's already probably content out there like this. Who cares? Pull the trigger, learn from the people around you that inspire you and do all those great things, load that gun, but then start pulling the damn trigger. You've got to start putting action to it. And that's, you know, Quinn and Kevin and Frank that they've, they've helped me do that. And Frank with the honey badger project literally has turned me into a machine gun. It's just every day. Now it's like, okay, well, I have these things that I'm going to, that I'm going to do not, well, maybe, maybe I'll think about doing a video about this. No, do the video, put it out, done. Next thing, go. Accumulation of knowledge is phenomenal, but there has to be action involved in it. Otherwise you won't make the impact that you want to make. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it, it's interesting because like I talk to coaches all day and like one of the interesting things is like, there's a lot of people that know their stuff. They're very good coaches and everybody wants to get more clients. Everybody wants to build up their business. But uh, like you said, it's, it's hard sometimes for people to have that initial uh, like I'm going to do it and maybe they do it once and it doesn't go as well. Like they post one thing on wrapping knees cause they got a question about it and two people like it and they're like, Oh, this is just, I've just done this. This is bad. Right. But it's just like, you know, like the, the dynamic systems or organization theory, right. Where like sometimes you just got to do it a bunch and it's not always going to be great, but like it'll start to become what you want it to become. And like, uh, it's, it's that taking action and being a little bit, um, stubborn almost in that you're saying, okay, I'm going to let it, put it not always work, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to keep doing it. And eventually somebody's going to reach out and be like, okay, you've been talking about, you know, powerlifting for six months. What is it? How do I become a powerlifter? Or like, you've been talking about wrapping your knees. Like, how do I use this for accommodating resistance? Finally, I'm going to ask, like, you've been talking about this for so long there must be something to it. What's going on. Right. And, and that's, that's so huge. Is like that, that idea of just like, I can have all the, the, the knowledge, but if I don't apply it, like it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, what, what are some of your recommendations for like getting over that initial, um, I don't know if it's, it's like fear is a good word, but that like hesitation to pull the trigger or pull the trigger more than once. Right. Like how, how do you recommend Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, I love all this, but like, I don't you know, but I get afraid or like, sometimes I, I tried that once and it didn't work. Like, how do you, how do you think about getting people to be like that more like stubborn action taker of like, if I just do this all the time. It's going to catch, you know? Well, so except it's not going to be perfect. First off, you know, that if you put out one post that you think is an absolute banger and it's going to, it's going to do all this stuff for you. It's just not, that's not how the algorithm works. It's not how social media works. You know, it may be great, but it's not going to be the, the one it's constant action. It's just like training. 
you may have one great strength, like one great squat session. Did that mean that that squat session put you over the hump? Nope. You still got to squat again that week. If you squat three times a week, you got to do it another third, third time. And then you got to do it again the next week and you got to do it again the next week. And there's going to be days where it sucks and you still got to put that ball on your back and you still got to do every rep that coach told you with the appropriate pause or whatever stupid variation Kevin has me do that week. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then, and then keep, keep at it. It's, it's not a linear process. It, you will see just like anything else, you will see a gradual uptick and reward that, will slowly build but it's delayed gratification that's what most anything in life that's worth it is going to be delayed gratification Mm -hmm. so you've got to just pull the trigger pull it off and put stuff out there it's not going to be perfect understand it's not going to be perfect also understand you will get better at it it is a skill doing instagram live videos and putting stuff together and using emojis and stuff that people like to see and all that it's a skill you're going to get better at it with time and people will start paying attention more and it's just going to be, it's going to be one of those things that, that starts to gain momentum, but especially this is a little, not necessarily a deviation, but a little bit more detail with Instagram. The more active you are, the more you'll get in front of people, the more posting you do, the more stories you do, the more they take you and prioritize you on your friends list. So you've got to do it on something like Instagram. If you want to use Instagram as your primary mode of marketing, you got to be active on it. You can't do it once every couple of weeks. It's got to, you got to be on it. Yeah. And I think like, I, I've talked to some people about that and where they're like, Oh, well, I, I did this thing once and like, it didn't go that well. And you're like, all right, well, like how many people do you think saw it? Like you did it once. It, like you have a thousand followers or whatever. Uh, all thousand people won't see it. If you have 500 followers, all 500 won't see it, right? Like, you know, a handful of people will see it, but then if you do it again, then a handful plus a little bit more will see it, right? And like, it's that like consistent action taking that helps you like continue to get in front of more people. And like, maybe everybody only sees a post once, but eventually you'll get to all 1,000 or so people or 10,000 or however many, you know, people follow them plus whoever they share the post to and and stuff like that. And, and that's so big. And, and I think that's also where like having a good network comes in because they'll share your content and be like, Oh, like this is a great post or like I, you know, I did the podcast with rebuild stronger and then all of a sudden people go follow you. And like, uh, then you can get in front of more people, but like, it's almost like your calling card where they're like, okay, I go to this person's page and I see that they're doing good stuff. I like what they're talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to roll with it, you know? And, and that's the, that's the hard part, right? Is, is getting past that feeling of oh it didn't work once right and and like you said you kind of have to like accept that and know that the more you do it eventually it'll get better it's like training it's like anything else you know yeah Uh, and you're not going to have everything right you know instagram is another great way to do it you got geotags you got hashtags you got all this content stuff you got how long is your video you got all these all these things did you use a white background or a black background did you use this like look you can overcomplicate it and, and get paralysis by analysis for everything. You do it with, uh, with lifting. Oh, my feet weren't turned out the exact angle that I wanted to at 14 degrees to plumb or whatever the hell you want to say. You know what I mean? Like you can overcomplicate this stuff and never take action. Minimum viable product, put something together, put it out there. Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And you'll get better at it. People will start listening. 
And the next thing you know, you'll start getting messages like, Hey, I really appreciate the stuff you're putting out there. I've been paying attention. It's pretty cool. And then don't, don't ever forget the power of your really, really close network. Like mom and dad, mm-hmm. like mom and dad will share everything you put on Facebook. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're going to get some grandchild of aunt Karen who decided that she wanted to start powerlifting. She's going to message you and be like, Hey, I see you're coaching. Like, this is pretty cool. Do you think we could talk about that? And then you're off. That's it. Boom. Yep. It comes from the strangest places, but you got to, you just got to keep doing it and don't, don't overanalyze. Just go. Yeah, exactly, man. I love it. Well, uh, is there any like final thoughts, anything you want to throw out there as like, um, you know, anything that you really want people to, to take away? Um, I mean, I think I, I throw it out there all the time. Our business is, uh, is a person business and people are messy. So just be cognizant of that as you move forward, whether it's as a coach, whether it's developing your business, um, whether it's, it's rehabbing people from injury, uh, understand that it's a messy process. It's not something that's linear. And if, if you understand that and embrace it, then you're actually going to end up having a lot of fun with it and having a huge amount of impact on people um, that can that can really make a difference. I love it, man. Yeah, that was that was perfect. Uh, awesome. And then how can people get in touch with you? So uh, Mr. Rebuild Stronger, how do they find you? Uh, how do they learn more? All that fun stuff. Instagram is probably the best place. It's where I'm the most active. That's uh, Rebuild Stronger Online. Uh, at Rebuild Stronger Online, I guess is how you say it for the Instagrammers. Uh, I don't Twitter. I don't Snapchatter. Um, I am on Facebook. You can find me there. Uh, just John Flag. I don't. I don't have a, a fancy thing. Uh, my Rebuild Stronger page on Facebook is not as active as my Instagram page. Uh, you can also find me on the Clinical Athlete Podcast. Uh, we are the the course is live for for this this year. So that's a clinical athlete powerlifting course where we, it's a two day intensive where we go over all things that you would, you would need to help decrease injury risk, decrease injury risk for powerlifters and increase performance. And then you can also find me at the honey badger project where I am doing business coaching with Frank Benedetto. That is a group coaching, um, that I think we've got like 50 people in there right now, uh, getting their businesses started, uh, digitally and uh, some brick and mortar. We also do one-on-one coaching there as well to, to take you to the next level. That's awesome, man. Uh, I definitely, I want to do the clinical athlete power thing uh, course. So I'll probably finally get to meet you in person. Uh, and then we'll, we'll have to have like a squat competition between you and I, you know, max reps. Put, no, 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 no. One rep max. Ooh. I'll, I'll put up, I'll put up eight fifty. Oh man. I won't. I'll put up 50% of that probably. <laughs> it, okay. I was going to say, is it you and Dave going to be underneath the bar? Are you going to get, you can get Rockledge's help on this one? Yeah. We'll, we'll stand next to each other and squat. It'd be great. We'll fit under the bar. He's a little taller I, than me. He's, he's kind of tall. I don't know how well that would work out. It's going to be all lopsided and stuff. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. You crushed it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I'd like to do this again sometime to kind of shoot the shit Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Dude, we'll do it. We'll do it as many times as you want. <laughs> awesome. Awesome.